The Big Story from The Straits Times on Money FM 89.3. You're watching The Big Story with me, Chiao Suen. Subscribe to The Straits Times channel to stay up to date with our live news updates. Now, two days on from the US midterm elections, control of Congress still hangs in the balance. In a surprise, Democrats denied Republicans the sweeping victory they expected. President Joe Biden declaring the outcome good for democracy. Let's check in with our U.S. Bureau Chief, Nirmal Ghosh, who is in Washington. Thanks for joining us today, Nirmal. So, the Republicans look set to take control of the House, but the so-called red wave did not materialize, and several Senate races are way too close to call. What does this all mean for President Biden? Yeah, so it's a loss for the Democrats and for the President, but it is also a moral victory, so to speak. Because, as you said, that red wave did not materialize. And almost everyone, the polls, the pundits, going by the historical record of traditional anti-incumbency in the midterms, high inflation, everyone expected it to be a red wave. In the end, it was only a ripple. So it is a shot in the arm in a manner of speaking for the president. Secondly, this erodes the credibility somewhat of Donald Trump, who essentially led the Republican charge. He had endorsed over 300 candidates Many won, but a lot of them lost. And that includes several election deniers. Remember, he still maintains he won the 2020 election. The plan was to get his loyalists essentially into positions of power. But some of them were too extreme and they were defeated. Third, if the Republicans indeed get a majority in the House, and it looks like they will, but it will be a very thin one. Nevertheless, a majority, there will be more investigations and less legislation. They will launch a raft of investigations against the president's son, Hunter Biden, over his business dealings, against the FBI for overreach in his investigation of Donald Trump. They might launch an investigation into the withdrawal from Afghanistan, which was badly managed. They'll try and put the brakes on President Biden's agenda, specifically his clean energy agenda. But there will also be limits to that because big legislation has already been passed and the president has veto power. But it will still be like sand in the gears and we are looking at two years of this and the country will remain politically and culturally dangerously polarized. So with the midterms out of the way, President Biden will head to Bali next week for the G20 summit. What are his priorities in foreign affairs for the second half of his presidency? Well, the broad consensus on foreign policy here in Washington, D.C. will hold. China is the number one threat and of course Russia, but China is the greater geopolitical threat. President Biden will, in fact, have to contend with a house that will be as hawkish or maybe even more hawkish on China than the current house under Nancy Pelosi. In fact, the White House has been trying to slightly moderate some of the more hawkish moves like the Taiwan Policy Act and was against Speaker Pelosi's visit to Taiwan in August. The president was asked today uh, a short while ago what he would say when he meets with President Xi Jinping, presumably in Bali. And he said he wants to lay out what each of their red lines are, understand what he believes are the critical national interests of China and explain what he, President Biden, knows to be the critical interests of the United States and to determine whether or not they conflict with one another and if they do, how to resolve it, how to work it out. And Taiwan will be a part of that conversation. And on Ukraine, the other big one, incoming speaker, if the Republicans win the House, will likely be California Congressman Kevin McCarthy. He has said a Republican Congress will no longer give a blank check to Ukraine. The president pushed back against that, saying he would be surprised if Leader McCarthy had a majority of Republican colleagues saying they would not fund the quote-unquote legitimate defensive needs of Ukraine. So we can probably expect that to continue as well, but there will be more questions asked. 
there will be tension within the Republicans between isolationists and interventionists, which is an old story in American history. So you mentioned earlier that it looks like the U.S. might be set for another two years of polarity. But if we look past that and ahead to 2024, will Donald Trump run for president? And did any Republican rising stars emerge during these midterms? Yes, uh, Donald Trump plans to make a big announcement next Tuesday, and it is supposed to be about his run for the White House in 2024. He has been carrying on about that at his rallies, teasing his base, teasing the media. He's very good at that, as we know. This midterm outcome has sort of taken the sheen off that venture a bit. But he may still announce it because that is what he has to do. He cannot afford to look weak. That would be the antithesis of the sort of strong, confident alpha male personality he constantly projects to his base. But his brand has been weakened by this. Many more people are going to see him as flawed. And one of those will be Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who won re-election by a very wide margin. He's currently a darling, a princeling of the Republican Party. He got around 1.5 million more votes than his Democrat challenger, Charlie Crist. He is 44 years old, so he has a long runway ahead. Now, Trump has already jabbed at him a couple of times at his rallies, called him names, that sort of thing. A lot of people are anticipating an epic fight between these two for the Republican nomination in 2024. Meanwhile, just a short while ago, President Biden, who is 79 at his press conference, said his intention is to run again, but he said he believes in fate and is in no hurry and will be talking with family first and possibly deciding in January. Thank you for your valuable insight. This is ST's US Bureau Chief, Nirmal Ghosh. Thank you, Nirmal.